You are listening to the Morning Bliss with Patricia Mandula. I say, I say Africa must wake up the sleeping sons of Jacob for what tomorrow may bring. May Our dynasty on the Morning Bliss. Can you tell me young ones who are we today? We are joined now by author and life coach Paul Nzimande. Last week we started uh, with him with a series talking about legacy. And I thought, hey man, we have not done justice to this issue of legacy. So we are going to continue on this particular one. A very blessed morning to you, uh, Bab Nzimande. How are you doing this morning? Madam, good morning. Good morning to you and your listeners. We are blessed and highly favored yes good morning that is amazing now um uh, we were talking about legacy last week let's just give a quick recap before we move forward uh for this week so last week we we were looking at legacy and we're looking that really as what is preserved from the past that is ushered into the present and we were looking up at um the fact that this would be tangible that it would also be intangibles that document a past and bring it to the present so in a nutshell it would consist of um for example buildings but also it would consist of um oral history so it would be captured either materially in 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 buildings and written history but it can also be oral and we were uh, then highlighting the importance of being intentional about creating a preserved history which is the legacy for the future and that that preserved history would be both in the form of the values that we transmit but also in the narratives that we transmit and the importance of being intentional about recognizing that particularly in african societies the trusted model of using oral traditions to transmit history is being overtaken by the need to actually write that down and capture it in books and document it. That, in a nutshell, is what we were saying last week. We then ended up saying we would need to pay more time um, and attention to the use of architecture in capturing heritage and capturing legacy, which is what we are going to do today. Mm, most definitely, because um, I remember in uh, our conversation last week, you were talking about some of the monuments that we have, even the buildings that we have, that are not aligned to the legacy of Africa, but are very Eurocentric. Uh, and I know uh, there's the certain parts of South Africa, beautiful as they may be, the architecture is definitely contrasting to what the, the the landscape, the natural landscape of Africa is. So you're in Cape Town, you can see the beauty of Africa through nature, but the buildings in Cape Town remind you of Europe if you've traveled to Europe. And if you haven't, Cape Town is good enough. It will remind you through its buildings. So how do we make sure that our architecture resembles who we are? It is definitely an area of opportunity, but I think... Um, allow me to trace it a little bit back and i say it with deepest respects to the people to whom those monuments are credited i i am in by no means belittling the importance of their monuments i'm making a point 
and consider it an academic point more than anything. I'm going to take three. I thought to take three examples across history to use for today. So I'm going to take the Tower of Babel, which is captured in the Bible. So that would have been about 4,200 years ago. If you look at the Christian Bible, it captures that story. Then we'll go to the Taj Mahal, which is um, around the 1600s. And then we'll go to the Fort Drecker Monument. And I'm hoping across those three periods in history to capture something similar about these monuments and then show what opportunity we have there for going forward. If one looks at, if one reads the biblical account of the Tower of Babel, the real purpose of building it. So they came and they said, listen, we've now discovered a way of improving the way that we build buildings. And they discovered the use of tar and they discovered the use of bricks. So there was an innovation in the built environment and in the technology of building. Now, using the technology of building, they then decided on a specific material purpose. But that material purpose, if the biblical account is to be taken, had a spiritual significance. They said, let us build a tower um, which takes us up to the heavens, which gives it a spiritual significance. So it's a natural building, but it's serving a spiritual purpose. And then they still said, so that we can make a name for ourselves, which means it now served a legacy purpose, but it also served a, 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 a national pride purpose. So I've captured three elements there. It was physical, yet serving a spiritual purpose, number one. Number two, it served to leave a legacy for those who are coming. But three, it served to then make a name for those who were, who, were, who were building these structures. Now, take it to the Taj Mahal as well. You, you don't have to be deeply steeped in history. You can just go to Wikipedia to read what I'm going to suggest. If I did a little bit of reading, because I've always been fascinated by the Taj Mahal, um, there appears to be a spiritual significance to it, to the reasons why it was built, to how it was built. According to Wikipedia, the Taj Mahal and its gardens was um, built to, to be an earthly representation of paradise, what paradise looks like. That's what Wikipedia says, at least. And I'm not an expert on, on the religion and, 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 and what goes with it. But we are saying we then have a physical structure, which is architectured using the best of the available technology but it serves a spiritual significance. At the same time, according to Wikipedia, it was also meant to immortalize the life of the Shah Jahan's um, um, belated wife. So there was also something about preserving a specific name there. So all three elements also present. Then you come to the Fort Drecker monument. If you read up a little bit on it, um, it immortalizes the date of the 16th of December. Um, and that date today, you know, through it's gone through at some stage, it was the day of the vow, then it was Dingan's day, it was Dingan's day, the day of the vow. And then um, I think today we call it Reconciliation Day. Oh, I apologize for not being accurate about that. But the point of it is that it's a beautiful work of architecture but it memorial, memorializes 
a significant spiritual day where, according to the written accounts at least, a group of settlers um, facing a conflict with um, Zulu warriors then made a vow to God to say, if you preserve us on this day, we will then set this day aside as a Sabbath, and on this day we will always remember you and honor you through generations for having preserved us on this account. So it's a physical structure. It uses brilliant architecture, but it captures a building of spiritual significance in that there was a prayer offered on that day. And what it does is it also uh, memorializes a Fordregger um, group of people who fought to a certain extent. So these are three separate sites, but they've got those three features in common. Uh, it's the use of brilliant um, materials available at the time, innovation, to create a structure, a physical structure, which serves, um, which combines with a spiritual purpose, but also serves to preserve a name for the people that built it. So those three elements is what I would submit and make for, 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 for the monuments. I will take it one step further. Um, so there are people who suggest that the Roman um, Empire used statues and symbols um, as a tool of propaganda. So when they erected a statue, it was more than just erecting a statue for beauty or for spiritual purposes or whatever. It was also to stamp authority and say, who is in charge? And say, we are building, therefore, a, a bust of a certain emperor and shipping it through all the provinces because everyone must know who is in charge. Mm. Which means which means that what we do these days is that when we've got a new president, every um, state office will then have the photo of, so if you go to, I'm making a random example, home affairs, you'll then have the photo of the president, you'll have the photo of the national minister of home affairs, and, and maybe somebody else to say, this is the person who charge of this particular building. And that is why some people will then have a, a, a sensitivity to statues and, and monuments and memorials because they see them as elements of propaganda. They see them as a stamp of authority. And they say, you know what? This is a subliminal, this is a subconscious reinforcement of someone else's authority. My personal view, uh, this is very subjective view. Um, in what we have built lately, so, so for example, if I look at the Union buildings, there's a long, big statue of Udada. But I often ask myself, um, and it's potentially a traumatic response to what I saw happen to the statue of, um, who was the, the Iraqi leader? It was Saddam Hussein, I think. The first thing that happened is that his statue was torn down. And once his statue was torn down, nothing remained that spoke of him. So if the statue of Udada in the Union buildings is capturing an entire history of an entire people, and it's reduced, uh, and I'm using the word subjectively, this is a subjective opinion, it's captured in one statue. If for any reason in the future someone were to remove that statue, 
they would be able to remove that statue much more easily than the entire union buildings, which means the union buildings would remain intact and therefore the better preserved in that precinct. And as I say, this is a subjective opinion. Somebody else could say something different. If you remove the statue of Utad, which is easier to remove than the entire union buildings, then the better preserved heritage, architectural heritage, then becomes and monument becomes the union buildings. How do you solve that problem mm. going forward? How do you create a balance? And, and just to make my point further um, on why it is important so that we look at the opportunity going forward. If you look at in Durban, there's a street, it's, it used to be called Gartner Street, which is on the um, gardens outside the city hall which remains, by the way, um, of the old order architecture. There are gardens there, and those gardens have got uh, cannons. Um, and then there's a, a list of names of people, soldiers who died in the World War. I think it's World War One or Two, one of the World Wars in any case. And then there's a beautiful statue, and it's written on the top there, tell it to the generations. So even if you didn't believe my account, that statue would convince you that the purpose of monuments is to tell it to generations. There is a specific narrative captured in monuments, and that narrative is talking not just to the present, but to to posterity, to say they once lived a group of people and this is what they did. It now becomes a matter of subjective preference then. But if you look at all, the, if you look at those gardens, for example, there's nothing in those gardens that is um, that talks about anything else other than the colonial settler um, a, a, a victory using those cannons. In fact, let me state it brutally: um, those cannons are the very cannons that were used to take the land of the Zulus, and they are there, captured and memorialized, immortalized for posterity. Is that a good decision? It's up to somebody to, to decide. How do you then, in that space, use that entire space to then say, we are creating a new and shared history. We are creating a new and shared memorial. We are creating a new and shared set of monuments. It is, it is history. You are not out to distort history. Mm, but the mm. opportunity is to say, how do you blend the history so that you have a shared sense of identity coming out of those monuments? You have a shared sense of national pride. In fact, I'd be very harsh, and, and, and that is why I'm very keen to mark these as personal observations. I, 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 I wish we could say, what is a model South African citizen? whether black or white or colored or or even someone who has adopted a south african identity and they're from india or they're from china or they're from uh, turkey if you come to south africa whether you're from zimbabwe or nigeria when you come to south africa what is the identity that we want out of you and, and this then, is what we have to work mm, on then um Zimande. It is, it is yes. not something that um, can be done in, as an individual issue. It's, a, it's something no. that touches all of us, but maybe it comes from yes. the top. Maybe it comes <laughs> from those who have authority. 
I've done a little because with these things, you obviously have to say the people who drive the narrative mainly, or rather who drive the agenda mainly, are the ruling party. So you then go to the strategy and tactics document of the ANC and you read to say, what is our view then on nation building? What is our view on culture? And, and I think there are opportunities there. If I look at it, I think there are opportunities to, to, to amplify that further. You go and you look at the national heritage um, uh, activities and all of that, and they're beautiful museums that have been built. Uh, some of them capture the struggle history, some of them capture the colonial history, and, and, and. but I still see an opportunity for us to create then something that talks to what is a model South African citizen. We're going to what have to hold it there, Bapond and Zamande, due to time, uh, but I'm going mm-hmm. to thank you um, profusely for opening us up to this realization. Uh, I know a lot of A-teamers are definitely enjoying this conversation. Uh, like in Gabi Mosase in Lesotho says, Pat, it really hurts when you go in most uh, districts of our country seeing statues of Europeans rather um, than those of Africans. Roads named after Europeans. It's a time to put legacy for our nation. And with that, I thank you so much. I have a blessed, blessed day until we speak for, uh, next time. Just to emphasize, I'm emphasizing the opportunity for a shared. I'm not saying let's deconstruct mm. anybody's history. I'm saying there's further opportunity. Leave what's intact, intact, that's okay. Leave what you've got now, but create something new that talks to another phase in our history. Thank, Thank you, you very good morning. Much.